This morning, I believe the Lord would have me to preach a message to you that's different than any message I've ever preached here before, except I guess at the nine o'clock service this morning, because it is the same message. But today we're wrapping up the 20th chapter of the book of Acts. And here, as Paul is speaking and as he's ministering, he's preaching to the pastors, to the elders of the church at Ephesus. This message today is Paul's advice for shepherds and sheep. So I guess you could say, I'm going to preach to myself this morning. And that feels a little funny to preach to myself, but I'm going to invite you to listen in as I preach to myself this morning as the pastor of Arise Baptist Church. So I am thankful, though, that the Lord has called me into the ministry. Paul the Apostle talked about how God had put him in the ministry as well. In his letter that he wrote to his son in the faith, Timothy, Paul said these words in 1 Timothy 1, 12-14, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. The ministry is not just something you aspire to on your own. It's not something you achieve on your own. It's something that God does in your life. He is the one that puts us into the ministry. And Paul says, talking about his past in verse 13, he says, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious? You know, Paul was a murderer. He blasphemed God, and yet God used Paul in the ministry. If God could use Paul, He can use you. If God has a place for murderers, forgiven murderers, to serve Him, then He has a place for you and me as well. He said, but I obtained mercy. You know, none of us would have anything but for the mercy of God. Without God's mercy, we would all spend an eternity separated from Him. In hell. Hell's not a fairy tale. It's not just some word that people use to curse one another. No, hell is a real place. It's a place that God created for Satan and his demons to spend eternity. But sadly, all those who reject God are choosing to follow Satan. But Paul said, I obtained mercy. I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this ministry that God's given me, but I obtained mercy. And he said, because I did it ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. Paul understood his inability to minister effectively in his own strength. He understood that he was not qualified in the sense that he had broken God's law. He was not perfect. No pastor is. He said in Ephesians 3.8, this letter that he wrote back to the church in Ephesus, where in Acts 20, our text this morning, he's speaking to the leaders in Ephesus. He says this, Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints. That's pretty low. But he said, Is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ? Paul, here at the end of Acts chapter 20, is preaching to pastors. 
we could have skipped this passage this morning. So, well, let's move to chapter 21 because that's more general. He's talking about his journey back to Rome and all of the friends that he sees along the way. And we'll get there. We'll get to the story of Philip and his four daughters who prophesied. We'll get to the story of Agabus, the prophet that came and tied himself up with, with a belt. And he said, this is what it's going to be like for you, Paul, when you get to Jerusalem. We'll get there. But I think it's important for us, as we've been going verse by verse through the book of Acts, to take some time to look at this passage of Scripture together this morning. And while you may say, well, it sounds like he's just preaching to himself, I think it will help all of us to listen in this morning. Acts 20 and verse 28. I'll just read this verse to get started because this really sums up what we're going to look at throughout the rest of the chapter. So let's just begin by focusing on this one verse. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. Paul's first admonition to this group of pastors, to the elders at the church of Ephesus that he was meeting with, his first admonition, he says, Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves. Take heed to yourself. Pastor, before you minister to anybody else, before you watch out for somebody else's spiritual needs or spiritual struggle, Pastor, take heed to yourself. Number one in your notes, the pastor must watch carefully. Watch carefully. And we see the first person that he's supposed to watch out for is himself. Pay careful attention to yourself. Why would Paul say this to a group of pastors? Shouldn't he be encouraging them to go and minister to other people? Well, he will. He says first, take heed to yourself. Take heed to yourself. Pastor, there is a target on your back. I was doing some reading this week, and uh, many different articles and studies have been done. The number one cause, they say, of pastors leaving the ministry is burnout. The number two cause is moral failure. And the statistics vary a little bit year by year, but on average there's some 1,500 to 2,000 pastors leave in the, just in the United States leaving the ministry every month. Every month. We live in a day, even in our country, where there are many pulpits across this land that have no pastor, no preacher. We have a shortage, and it's only getting worse. Sadly, we also live in a day where many pastors have fallen victim to burnout and to moral failure. It seems like not a week or two goes by that there's not some report of some well-known pastor or influential ministry leader who has fallen into moral failure. And because of that, they've had to step aside from the ministry. Why? Is it because they are broken forever? No, it's because nobody trusts them anymore. It's because they can't be in a place of leadership if they've not first taken heed unto themselves. 
Pastor, there's a target on your back. The battle is real. The devil is real. Sin is real. You will get hurt. And you, by yourself, are not strong enough. Pastor, there's a target on your back. There's a target on your wife. There's a target on your children. Take heed to yourself. This verb, if you look it up in the Greek, of taking heed is to take great care towards, to watch out for, to watch carefully. This isn't just a flippant thing. Oh, when you have time. No, this is to pay great attention to. Take heed to yourself. So how do you do that? Well, pastor, your relationship with God must be right. You don't just study God's Word just because you have to preach it to other people. No, you study God's Word, you spend time in prayer because you need to have a right relationship with God. Pastor, take heed to yourself. Your relationship with God must be right. You must spend time in prayer, in the Word. You must confess your own sin to God. Not just the sins of everybody else that you are praying for and trying to encourage. No, confess your sin to God. Pastor, your relationship with God must be real. You can't just put on a false front and say, well, I'm trying to keep it all together just so I can show you the right way. No, I've got to take heed to myself. Take heed to yourself. Your relationship with God must be real. Pastor, you need to be physically and spiritually refreshed and strengthened. I'm so thankful as we understand from Scripture that even as a pastor, sometimes referred to as a shepherd, that the Bible is very clear to tell us that I am not the chief shepherd. I'm just an under-shepherd. Just an under-shepherd. Our chief shepherd is the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. You can take every burden to the Lord. Stop trying to do it all in your own strength, Pastor, and rely on the Lord. Why? Because we serve a shepherd who never slumbers or sleeps. We serve a shepherd who can hear your prayers and my prayers and everyone's prayers all at the same time. And he has the power and the ability to answer all the prayers He's in control. He holds the world in the hollow of his hand. No man can be plucked out of his hand once placed into his hand. That's a good shepherd. And he is our chief shepherd. So pastor, take heed to yourself. You have responsibility to shepherd the flock. We'll see that in a moment. But if you don't first take heed to yourself, you won't be able to take heed and watch out for the flock as you should. The pastor must watch carefully. He must pay careful attention to himself, but also the pastor then can pay careful attention to the flock. Back in our text, in verse 28, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and, he says, to all the flock. The picture here, of course, is that of a shepherd with his sheep. The shepherd has to take care of himself, make sure he has rest and food and care and make sure he's provided for so that he can then take care of the flock. He can watch out for them. 
Notice what he says about this flock, though. It's really important to understand. He said, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. Pastor, you didn't put yourself in that position. The Holy Spirit is the one that allowed that. He's the one that put you there as an overseer. Pastor, you didn't get this job in your own strength, and you won't keep it in your own strength. Pastor, this flock that God's given you the oversight over, it's because the Holy Spirit has allowed that. It's because the Holy Spirit has directed that. So if you're going to minister effectively to that flock, you better do it in the strength of the Spirit that only He can give. And notice at the end of verse 28, this church of God, it says, He hath purchased with His own blood. Pastor, you may be the overseer of the flock, but you're not the owner of the flock. There's a difference. The overseer is the one who looks out for, to manage, to take care of. But pastor, pastor, you're not the owner of the flock. This flock has been purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ. For ye are not your own, ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body and your spirit, which are God's. The blood of Christ cleanseth us from all sin. It's the blood of Christ that is the propitiation, Romans says, the, the payment for our sin. It is the sufficient payment. He redeemed us or bought us back from the slave market of sin. He purchased us with His own blood. And may we never forget, if you're a believer this morning, that you are blood by the blood of Jesus Christ. He made a great sacrifice for you. He gave His life. God gave His only begotten Son so that you could have eternal life through Christ. Pastor, you don't own this flock. You're just the overseer of it. Christ is the owner. God has purchased it with His own blood. That's good truth. So, Pastor, you don't own the flock, but you are to oversee the flock. So how do you do it? Well, Paul tells us here, back in verse 28 again, He's made you the overseer to feed the church of God. If you're going to take heed to the flock, pay careful attention to the flock, you do this as you take heed to feed the sheep properly. Feed the sheep properly. He says, feed the flock. Remember, you don't own the flock. You don't own these sheep. They're someone else's sheep. So you better take good care of them. And it's your responsibility to feed the sheep. To give them the food that they need. Every mother here understands what I'm talking about, about feeding the sheep. You got a bunch of little sheep at your house, right? That bah, bah, hungry, hungry all the time. And they need to be fed. Sometimes the mother, you get to a situation where you're like, just stick some food in their mouth so they'll be quiet. Other times you're like, well, if they're going to be healthy and strong, I need to make sure that I give them good food so they get the nutrients that they need. I need to feed them well. I need to feed them properly. Pastor, you are responsible to feed the sheep. When they come, they need a meal, so you better prepare, you better study, you better have taken heed to yourself so that you can take heed to the flock and 
feed the flock, feed the sheep with the food from God's Word. Good food is really important, isn't it? It helps us to grow strong. It helps us to develop properly. It helps us to have the proper nutrients that we need for the energy to be able to uh, take care of the things that need to be done. Paul talks about some of the reasons, I think, here, why this good food is so important. Look at this in verse number 29. Paul says, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. You see, good food helps to protect the sheep from wolves. You say, how's that? Doesn't it fatten the sheep up and make them a better meal for the wolves? Good food helps to protect the sheep from wolves because the sheep begin to appreciate that good food. And so they stay close to the shepherd where the good food is. In the picture of a shepherd with his sheep, the shepherd would often take them out into a grassy area, maybe a hillside or, or a meadow, and there the sheep would be gathered around. The shepherd's watching carefully, right? Taking heed to the flock, making sure they have good food and good water. But where would the wolves hang out? Well, the wolves are always present, but you can't always see them. But the wolves, they don't live in the middle of the field. No, they live around the edges, where the rocks and the, the trees and the shrubs are. So part of feeding sheep well helps them to stay where the good food is so they aren't where they can get caught and torn apart and destroyed by the wolves. The wolves are real. The wolves are out there. Sometimes you may feel like, well, I, don't, I don't see any wolves. I don't hear any wolves. Well, that's great, but they're there. They're always there. But good food helps to protect the sheep from wolves. Good food also helps to protect the sheep from false doctrine. One of the most treasured psalms in all of Scripture, Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What does he do? He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. That's where the good food is. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Those are the safe waters to drink, not the rushing water that's going to pull them down or drown the sheep. He restoreth my soul. He ministers to us physically and spiritually. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. He's leading us to the good food. He's leading us in the right way. He's taking us to the place that even if I go, He says, Yea, though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. When I'm in those dark places, when it feels like the wolves are close beside, if I stay close to my shepherd, he's with me. His rod and his staff, what do they do? They comfort me. His discipline, his correction, his direction, those things comfort me. Feels good to have somebody caring about you, doesn't it? It feels good to have somebody looking out for you. It's sure nice to have somebody providing food for you. I remember when Shandy and I were first married, it was like, it was great to be able to go to her parents' house or go to my parents' house because somebody else was going to provide the food. I was like, I didn't have to buy those groceries. Somebody else is going to provide. Somebody else take. We all like to be provided for, don't we? Sheep need good food. Good food helps to protect the sheep from the wolves, but it also helps to protect the sheep from false doctrine. Look back in our text. Verse number 30. Paul says, also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. 
You see, there are wolves that come without, but there's also corruption and deceivers that come within, inside the church. Can you imagine what Paul's saying here? He says, of your own selves shall men arise. Do you think as Paul looked out at that group of pastors that were gathered there from Ephesus there to meet with him as he's given them his final admonishment, final advice, final encouragement? As he's looking around that room, around that group, do you think it was some of them maybe who would in time lead people astray? That's what he's saying here, of your own selves. If it wasn't that group that was gathered there, then what he's saying is people from within the church who you know, who you care about, and you think they care for you, what are they going to do? There will be some who will come along and speak perverse things. These are twisted, corrupted things. They're taking the truth and twisting it around to their own means, for their own end. What are they trying to do? To draw away disciples after them. You'll see this in more detail here in just a moment, but Paul was always careful in his ministry not to let people become followers of him. He was always pointing people to Christ. He was always pointing people to the Lord. One of the ways that you can tell when someone is leading away from God is when they're just leading people to themselves. It's all about them. Well, follow me. Well, this is where it's exciting. This is where it's great. This is where it's all about me. No, it's all about Him. It's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says there are those who would come and try to draw away disciples after them. A disciple is a follower. So these people there in Ephesus are followers of Christ. They're followers of the Lord. Of course, they had been following Paul, but Paul's trying to point them on to Christ. He says, be careful, there will be some that will try to get some disciples for themselves. You say, well, how do you protect against that? Good food protects against that. Because when you learn where the good food comes from and you learn what is right and you learn how to understand God's word, as Paul wrote, and he said, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. When you know the truth, it's a lot easier to be able to detect the error before it creeps in and leads you astray. Pastor, Take heed to yourself. Take heed to the flock. Be careful to feed them good food. Feed the sheep properly. I want you to look over. It's not in your notes, but Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. Paul's writing to the church at, at Colossae, and he's talking about the importance of watching out for wicked people who would lead you astray. He says in Philippians or Colossians 2.6, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him, rooted and built up in Him. We need to be firmly fixed on the truth of God's Word. Our faith must be in Him. And he says, Established in the faith, as ye have been taught. Take what you have learned and allow it to establish you, to firmly fasten you to the foundation, to the solid rock that is the Lord and His Word. And he says, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Look at verse 8. Beware. Sounds a lot like take heed, doesn't it? Beware. Watch out. Watch out for what? Lest any man spoil you through vain or philosophy and vain deceit. 
the teachings of man, the teachings of this world. They can sound good. It, it sound, they can even mix in some Bible verses and some Christian language. Be careful. Watch out. He says, after the tradition of men. Well, this is how we've always done it. This is what everybody... It's just our tradition. Listen, we've got to run everything. Your traditions, your philosophy, your way of thinking, your experience, your emotion. Run it all through the filter of God's Word. Because God's Word is the truth. After the tradition of man, He said, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. Hey, pastor... Take heed to yourself. Take heed to the flock. Feed them properly. Why? Because it will protect against wolves that are without. It will protect them from false doctrine that is within. Then Paul even continues on and he says, Therefore watch, verse 31, And remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone, night and and day with tears. Pastor, if you're going to watch carefully for the flock, you need to feed them well. Feed them properly, but you must also take heed to warn the sheep. Warn the sheep passionately. How does Paul describe his warnings? He said, I did it day and night for three years with tears. That's pretty intense. Day and night for three years with tears. Tells you how important these warnings were that Paul was trying to watch out for this, be careful for that. Any, again, any parent at home knows what this is like. Don't do that. Don't go over there. Hey, that was good. You should do that again. Yes, great job. Oh, be careful over there. Stay away from that. Don't touch that. Put this over. Don't drop that. Be careful. Watch out, right? Warning, 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 warning. And Paul said, I did it with you day and night for three years in tears. Hey, pastor, if you're really watching out for your flock, you need to warn them. Part of warning them is feeding them good food so they know what the truth is so they can determine the error. But it's also saying, watch out. I'm trying to teach you what's right. You don't know where that's going to lead you, but it's not going to lead you into something good. Hey, I know somebody that's been down that road and it didn't turn out well for them. Hey, God's word says this. Don't go over there because it's not safe. Well, I can figure it out. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's not wise. Pastor, the flock needs you to warn them. Warn them. And pastor, as you warn them, it needs to be passionate. It might even take tears. You might do this daily. I mean, if you say day and night for three years, that's at least a thousand times. Paul's warning these people about something going on in their life. I don't know about you, but that sounds exhausting. Not just physically, but emotionally. That's a lot of tears. Hey, pastor, that's why you have to take heed to yourself. The ministry will wear you out. Ministry will wring you out. Ministry will take more than you have to give. That's why you can't do it in your own strength. You have to do it in the strength of the Lord. 
Because people need to be warned. And they may have to be warned over and 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 over again. Warn the sheep, warn the flock, warn them passionately. Take heed to yourself. Pastor, you must watch carefully. I want you to notice, secondly, this morning, the pastor, not only should he watch carefully, but he must guide wisely. Guide wisely. You say, what do you mean? Well, let's look at our text again. Verse number 32. Paul says, And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among them which are sanctified. Okay, what's going on here in, our, in the story? Paul's meeting with this group of Ephesian elders, the pastors of the church there, for the very last time. This is the last time he's ever going to see them. Paul's about to go away. And he doesn't know for sure what's going to happen to him, but he's pretty sure it's going to be difficult and it's going to involve persecution and imprisonment. And that's exactly what does end up happening to Paul. So as Paul is leaving them, he, he admonishes them to take heed to themselves and to the flock. And then he says, And brothers, I commend you to God and the word of His grace. In other words, I think what Paul is saying here, when I leave, don't just start sitting around and saying, Boy, I sure wish Paul would come back. Boy, it would be a lot easier for the ministry to go forward if we just had Paul to preach for us. I don't know what to do without Paul here anymore. Boy, those were the good days, weren't they? Remember when Paul was here? No, Paul says, I commend you to God. Hey, folks, pastor, you don't need Paul. You have the Lord. You have the Lord. I commend you to God. Hey, guys, when you're discouraged, when you're not sure where to turn, when you don't know what to do, when things are difficult, you have the Lord. I commend you to God and the word of His grace. And it is His, it is God and the word of His grace which is able, He says, to build you up. I don't know about you, but we often in our spiritual life become dependent on the people around us. I've had that happen to me, and God usually reveals it in my life when He removes somebody out of my life that was very special to me. And all of a sudden, when that person, or maybe it's that program, that event, that activity, maybe it was a special retreat or special place you used to go, when that's taken out of your life, all of a sudden you find yourself just struggling spiritually. And you realize, maybe my walk with God was more dependent on a place or a program, or one of my friends, or a pastor, then it should have been, and it really should have been dependent upon the Lord. Hey, pastors, I commend you to God. To God. You see, spiritual growth is found by walking with God and the word of His grace. Spiritual also inheritance is received by walking with God. In the word of His grace, the scripture says, He must increase, 
but I must decrease. As Paul's leaving them, he's not saying, well, guys, just keep, keep, uh, keep thinking about me. No, he's saying, I commend you to God. It's not wrong to honor those to whom honor is due. But Paul wasn't looking for them to have an annual celebration of the Apostle Paul Day. He wanted them to keep following God. Keep following God. They had all that they needed in Christ. When the Lord takes me home someday, I hope it's a long time from now, but when He does, if all that our church can do is just remember the good old days back when Pastor was here, then I've failed. Because the best for the Christian is always still to come. The best is yet to come. For the believers walking with God, we always have a shepherd. We always have a leader. We always have Him as our guide. I commend you to God in the word of His grace. Don't just follow me. Follow Christ. I mean, so many Christians who are discouraged and, and depressed because some spiritual leader in their life failed them. Because some spiritual authority went astray. Because they got hurt somewhere along the way in their Christian life. My friend, look to Jesus. He is your comfort. He is your help. People will fail you. They'll let you down. But God will never fail. He will never let you down. He's always with you. He is our guide. It would have been easy for the leaders in Ephesus to always just rely on Paul. I mean, remember what it was like spiritually in Ephesus before Paul got there? It was known as one of the biggest centers of idolatry in the whole world. In fact, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world is in Ephesus, the temple to the goddess Diana, where they carried on all kinds of wicked, horrible, immoral practices, temple prostitutes. I mean, you, you name it, if you can imagine something wicked, it was probably going on in Ephesus in the name of religion, no less. And when Paul gets there, he meets 12 guys. 12 people who believed in God, but they didn't even know Jesus Christ. And he shares the gospel with them, and they come to Christ, and they receive the Holy Spirit of God. And Paul begins to train them daily in, in the school of Tyrannus. And, and they begin to go out from there and sharing the gospel. And this grows and grows and grows to the point where there's such a tremendous change in Ephesus that all of the people who used to practice magic, like wicked magic, witchcraft kind of magic, they gather together all their books with all their incantations and witchcraft and they burned them in such a big pile they said the value of the books was 50,000 pieces of silver. And then, we've already talked about this over the past few weeks, but just to remind you, the, the trade in, in the little silver idols that were being made of the goddess Diana was so affected by the believers who were coming to Christ that all of the silversmiths rioted and had a massive uproar because so many people were following Jesus that they, they weren't buying idols anymore. And the Bible says that the Word of God grew and it prevailed in Ephesus. This was the ministry over these three years that Paul had the opportunity to oversee and lead there in Ephesus. And now Paul is saying his final goodbye. And it would be only natural for the church at Ephesus 
to still only look to Paul. And after he's gone, what are we going to do now? Where are we going to go? How are we going to deal with these situations? And when Paul was here, it was great, but now he's gone. Paul says, I commend you to God. I commend you to God. Because spiritual growth, that's what he says, he builds you up, but also spiritual inheritance. Too many churches, they've lost their spiritual inheritance, or they think their spiritual inheritance is something physical, like, well, look at our inheritance. What a great church. Look at our beautiful facility. Look at our big building. Look at all the people that we have. Look at all the great meetings we've had over the years. Or look at all these things. What a great inheritance. My friends, lay not up for yourselves treasure on earth where moss and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. No, he says, lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. In heaven. There's a spiritual inheritance, but that spiritual inheritance comes by walking with God and in the word of His grace. Not by just trying to be like Paul. You see, Arise Baptist Church is not great, nor will it ever be great, because we have a great pastor. Rise Baptist Church is not great, nor will it ever be great because of all the great people that God has given us. No, Arise Baptist Church is great because we serve a great God. And He is our hope. He is our joy. He is our focus in everything we do. Hey, pastor, watch carefully. Take heed. Pastor, guide wisely. Pastor, the pastor must also give generously. Give generously. Man, with two services this morning, it means I have to preach this thing to myself twice. This is getting painful. It's convicting. Because I can stand up here excited before you, and the reality is I'm excited because it's true. It's from God's Word, but boy, this is right where I live. Look at what he says in verse 33. I've coveted, Paul says, I've coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands, these hands, you can imagine him showing them, these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. But Paul, working with his hands, probably making tents, probably working with his hands to serve food to widows, working with his hands to help people, working through their situations, working with his hands to shake hands, to give hugs, to love on people, to work to provide for his own physical needs. Paul says, I've labored with these hands. And I've showed you, verse 35, all things how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak. Paul says, I've worked hard, but it's not for my own benefit. Pastor, the ministry is not for personal gain. Pastor, you are to work so that, he says, laboring, you ought to support the weak. You ought to work so that you can give more. What a novel concept. We live in a society that says, work more so you can get more for yourself. No, the scripture teaches we ought to work more so we can give more. 
our society, we're all trying to figure out, many people, how, how can I get more for myself? No, he says, work so that you can give, so you can support them that are weak. And he says, and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Somebody said it this way. God wants us to give. It's like we have a shovel and we're shoveling it out, shoveling out all of these things that we're supposed to give. But he said, as you shovel out, God shovels in. But God always shovels in with a bigger shovel than you can shovel out with. That's really how it works, isn't it? But we ought to be working not so we can fill up our house with things. It's so that we can give to others and minister to others. Don't work for your own glory. Don't work for your own gain. Pastor, work for God's glory. Work so that you can give to others. Because, Pastor, it is more blessed to give than to receive. You know what? Pastors need to hear that. You say, well, as a pastor, aren't you giving all the time? Isn't that what you do? But the longer you pastor, as you give and give, you say, Sure would be nice if somebody recognized me. Sure would be nice if somebody gave me a big love offering. It sure would be nice if people did nice things for me. That sure would be nice because look at me. I, I'm just giving and giving and giving. It sure would be nice to receive a little bit. It's easy to fall into that trap. Well, why should I give? They don't even really want what I'm giving them. Why, why should I keep giving? They, they don't seem very receptive. Why, why should I give? They don't even say thank you. Hey, pastor, keep giving generously. Don't covet. Don't look around and say, well, look at me. Look at all I'm doing. I deserve more for myself. No, he says, pastor, keep working so you can give and support the weak. And remember, Pastor, remember, Pastor, remember, Pastor, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Well, that's convicting. And I think this final point we can see really through this whole passage of Paul and his ministry there in Ephesus, but I think it is illustrated in the last few verses of our chapter. The pastor must love compassionately love compassionately it says and when he this is Paul had thus spoken he kneeled down and prayed with them all and they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake that he should that they should see his face no more. And they accompanied him into the ship. Man, here's the guys. Some of these were probably part of that original 12. Maybe more added to the group by now. We don't know how many were there. But man, these are people. They've, they've prayed together. They've wept together. They've studied together. Witnessed together faced persecution together. Some of them probably even bled together. And now Paul is saying goodbye for the very last time. Can't you just see this love between Paul and these other pastors there? That same love that Paul had demonstrated to them that he wanted them to turn around and 
demonstrate to their people. It says they prayed. It says that they fell on his neck and kissed him. And it says the thing that made them most sorrowful was that they were never going to see him again. That means there is a very close personal relationship. They carried so much about, cared so much about Paul. It wasn't just, well, we, Paul, send us a letter from time to time. That'll be all right. As long as we can hear, hear you know, what you have to say, that'll be okay. No, Paul, we're just going to miss being with you. Why? Because Paul loved them and they loved him. Pastor, you must love compassionately. And you demonstrate that love as you give, as you pray, as you feed, even as you warn, but also as you're present, as you're present. In closing this morning, I want you to turn over because I want you to look in John chapter 10. Turn over to John chapter 10. Because in this passage, we have the words of Jesus Christ as he speaks about what a good shepherd is and does. And if I'm preaching to myself this morning, it's not just, well, you need to try harder, do better, uh, work harder. No. I need to remember who my shepherd is as well. Jesus reminds us of these things in John 10, verse 1. Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. You know, there's only one door, and that door is Jesus Christ. Any other person that would come in to try to lead who doesn't first go through Jesus Christ and isn't leading people through Jesus Christ to Jesus Christ, that person's not a shepherd. They're a thief and a robber. Sadly, many people today are masquerading as shepherds, but they're thieves and robbers. You say, well, how do you know? Well, did they come through Christ? And are they leading people to Christ? Or are they leading people to themselves? They're leading people in their own strength. Thief and the shepherd. See, the picture here, in my understanding, in the center or somewhere nearby the village, there would be kind of a communal shared place where the sheep would be kept, the sheepfold. And there would be one door. It was a wall going around the outside and, and one door. And, and the shepherds would all share the same sheepfold. So at night... They could sleep and they would be on some sort of rotation and one shepherd would stand at the door and guard while the other shepherd slept and they would rotate that night watchman job. But all the sheep would mingle together there in the sheepfold at night. And so if you were a real shepherd, you'd come through the door. If you're a thief and a robber, you'd try to hop the wall. What does he say in verse 2 of John 10? He says, but he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the porter, there's the guard, he openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. As the shepherd would walk in in the morning amongst the sheep, he'd begin to call out to them. 
And from our understanding, it says, And he calleth his own sheep by them by name and leadeth them out. I have never personally worked with sheep. You know, I've done some reading on this, and in my understanding, the sheep would all be mixed up. This guy's sheep and that guy's sheep and those other people's sheep. And the shepherd could walk in and the sheep knew their own shepherd's voice so that when he called them by name, only his sheep would come out and follow them. The rest would stay in the sheepfold. Isn't that a beautiful picture of how God works with us as he comes and calls his sheep unto himself and those that are his will follow him? I wonder, are you in a place where you're able to hear the shepherd's voice? Do you hear when he calls your name? Isn't it a blessing to know that you have a shepherd that knows your name? And I would say, hey, pastor, by the way, hope you're listening to this. Pastor, if you don't even know the names of your sheep, you're probably not much of a shepherd. When I became a youth pastor in Indiana, I'd only been there a couple weeks. And I was teaching one night to the teenagers. We had a good group there, but I was still working to try to learn everybody's name. It was a good group of kids. And Afterwards, one of the youth leaders came up to me and said, Pastor, one of those kids over there, they're really disrupting. They're misbehaving. You need to do something about it. And I said, okay, help me out. What are their names? I was still trying to learn them. Which kids are you talking about? Those over there. Well, what are their names? I don't know. And I said, how long have they been coming? To youth group. He said, oh, three or four years. I said, you still don't know their name? And I looked at him. This isn't just a preacher story. Like, I, I just looked him in the eye, and I said, and I said his name. And I said, how can you minister to somebody if you don't even know their name? And he put his head down, and he went back. But you know what? He took that to heart because... Then the next week, instead of sitting behind the teens and looking for the ones that were causing trouble, he moved up and he sat with them. He said, scoot over. I'm going to sit. And he sat right with the teens. And he began to learn their names. And over the next few years, he became one of the best youth leaders we had. And it just started by knowing their name. You ever wonder? Nobody, nobody seems to care about it. I, I don't know why anybody doesn't listen to me. Have you slowed down in your own busyness of life long enough even to learn the names of the people you go to church with, that you worship with? I know you're new. There are a lot of new names. That's okay. But I'm thankful we have a shepherd that knows our name. And he doesn't know just the names of the people in this church. He knows the names of the people who worship him all over this world. He knows all their names, and he calls them by name. Back in John 10, and he says, and he leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before him, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Look at verse 5 of John 10. And a stranger will they not follow. This goes back to the good food. This goes back to regularly hearing his warning and knowing his voice. They won't follow a stranger. Why? They will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. I'm afraid there are too many sheep today, though, don't know the voice of their shepherd. They get distracted by every other voice. Whoa, where, where am I going today? What am I doing? 
In this parable, it says, spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what the things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I, he's going to explain it now. He says, I'm the door of the sheep. If you want to get into the sheep, you've got to come through me. And he says, all that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man shall enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Good food comes when you go through Jesus. That's where spiritual food is found. That's where spiritual safety is found. That's where spiritual direction is found is through the door. Jesus Christ. The thief, he reminds us, cometh, cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. See, when the shepherd is warning you, when the shepherd's trying to feed you, when the shepherd is trying to guide you and direct you, it's not because the shepherd's trying to hurt you. It's because he's trying to give you life and to give it more abundantly. And Jesus then says, not only is he the door, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. So this morning, I guess it's right afternoon, this afternoon, I have some advice for shepherds, for pastors. Yep, even in the conclusion, I have to give myself the final point, the application here. Preach this to myself. Hey, pastor, watch carefully. Take heed to yourself. Take heed to the flock. Feed properly. It's going to take work. It's going to take preparation. It's going to take study and, and time. It's going to take a lot out of you, but people need to be fed properly. Hey, pastor, warn passionately. People may not always want to hear what you had to say, but keep warning them, even in tears if that's what it takes. Warn them passionately. Guide them wisely. Pastor, don't lead people to yourself. Point people to Jesus. Commend them to God and the word of His grace. And pastor, give generously. You want people to give to you and help you. Why would anybody give if you are not leading out in giving generously? Pastor, give generously. Pastor, love compassionately. Love the flock. Well, you've done a wonderful job of listening to me preach to myself this morning. But in the advice for shepherds, I think there's also some advice for the sheep this morning as well. So not to pick on you too much. But can I share a little bit of advice to the sheep that I think is inerrant in this advice to the shepherds? If it's the shepherd's job to watch carefully and feed properly, then sheep need to come to the meals. It's hard to feed sheep who don't show up for feeding time. 
it's hard to do your job as a pastor to feed sheep who don't come to the meals. You know, I at home, Shandy and I talk about sometimes what she's feeding our family, and she does an incredible job of doing it. I mean, sometimes we're eating salad or vegetables. It's not always cake and ice cream. They say, well, I, 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 I like my food more like the buffet that I'm going to after church this morning where I just get to pick whatever I want. That's not what God's called the shepherd to do and when he feeds. It's not just, well, it's a buffet. There's multiple options and services. You just kind of pick and choose where, whatever you think you need. No, come to dinner. Come to supper. Hey, when our kids come down to the meal, it's not like, well, I'm not going to eat this tonight. No, you sit down. And you clean your plate. Come to dinner. Come to feeding time. Hey, sheep, if it's the shepherd's job to warn passionately, then listen to the warnings. Listen to the warnings. It's hard to protect sheep when they're running wherever they want to go, wandering around, hanging out with the wolves. Wandering off the path, hanging out with the false teachers, listen for the warnings. But you probably won't hear the warnings if you don't ever come to supper. It happens all the time. Sheep kind of start moving away from the food, and then they start moving away from the shepherd. And then eventually one day you look around, well, what happened? I don't know. Did a wolf get them? Hey, sheep, if it's the shepherd's job to guide you wisely and commend you to God and to the word of his grace, then sheep, you need to grow in grace and in your knowledge of God's word. If you depend solely on the pastor to just keep feeding you and feeding you and you never learn to read and study God's word and begin to eat on your own without having to be force-fed sometimes, then sheep, you're not following God, you're just following a man. See, I'll never be the perfect pastor or the perfect leader. We already have that. We have Jesus. He is our shepherd. And we have His Word, the Word of God, that tells us the truth. Hey, sheep, when you give, give generously because it really is more blessed to give than to receive. And you'll only experience that the more you give. You give a little, Maybe a little blessing. You give a lot, maybe a lot more blessing. You don't get to experience the full blessedness of giving unless you do it. Well, if God would bless me, then I would give. Do you hear how backwards that is? It's more blessed to give than to receive. Well, if I received a lot, then I would... That's not what he says. He says, you give. You give. Well, I can't give. Everybody can give. You say, well, how? Because you've already been given too. Give generously. And sheep, we need to love compassionately. Love compassionately. You can picture it, right? Paul with those guys, some of them he'd been with for three years. They're all together for the last time. 
he shares them his final words of admonition. Take heed, guys. Watch out for yourself. I'm leaving you. I won't be able to watch out for you anymore. You need to take heed to yourself. But you have the Lord. You have God. You have the word of His grace. And I commend you to Him. Follow Him. Pastors, as you're watching out for yourself, watch out for the flock. Because those wolves are going to come in. The false teachers are going to rise. Some of you may turn away and try to lead disciples to yourself. Hey, it's going to take a lot of warning and repetition, maybe even tears. And you can hear it. Give generously. And then they all gather together and just pray. And they hug and kiss one another. I'm sure there were lots of tears. It says they sorrowed because they were never going to see him again. This was a close-knit, tight group. This is a special, special moment in Paul's ministry. But Paul is going to go on from here. It'll be too much long, longer before he's going to be in prison. These Ephesian leaders are going to go back and they're going to face challenges. It's going to be hard. There's going to be failures. There's going to be people that go astray. You wonder why Paul was warning in tears because some of them didn't listen. You know, as we look to the Lord this morning, He is our Good Shepherd. For me as a pastor, there's a lot i got to do. But I can only do it if I'm following the Good Shepherd. So I would ask you to pray for me, to do what God calls me to do. But I'm praying for you, that you would do what God calls you to do as well. And together, I believe, shepherd, sheep, all of us together can serve the Lord. And you know, God has given every one of us, even if He's not called you to be a pastor or overseer in a church in that sense he's given every one of us an opportunity to shepherd one another one another in our personal relationships in pointing people to christ not only to witness to them and lead them to christ but then to help them grow in their walk with the lord you know you should never be at the end of the spiritual food chain if you're at the bottom of the spiritual food chain you need to be praying and looking for somebody else that you can take what's been given to you and pass on to them. If you're the end of the line, well, that's where it stops. So take what God's given you. And if you need more, we'll help you do it. We want to feed you. Then take it and pass it on to somebody else. Let's pray, Lord. We love you and we thank you for this time together in your word. Preaching to myself is not easy. Probably even listening to me preach to myself was not easy this morning. So, Lord, we pray for your grace and wisdom. Move in our hearts today. We pray that we'd not leave here because it was the great, powerful preaching of Pastor Will, but rather it was the powerful working of your Holy Spirit in our lives through your word that would change us today. Help us now during this time of invitation to respond in Jesus' name. Amen. The piano is going to play, and I would ask you to come. If God's spoken to your heart, maybe there's something you need to confess to the Lord. Maybe there's something that you need to get right. Maybe you say, I, I want to follow God and really get in and just commit it to the Lord in some area of your life. Maybe it's spending time in, your, in the Word. Maybe it's being faithful to be here and hear the preaching and teaching of the Word. Maybe it's being looking out to give to others and to minister to others the same grace that has been ministered to you. You respond as God directs you.